Under the Influence Podcast is all about bringing together brands, influencers, thought leaders, and communities to inspire and empower a positive impact. Each week, I will dive into the power of influence over the ever-changing, trend-chasing, and slightly obsessed entrepreneurial and influencer community. We talk insider tips, tricks, the latest buzz, and even our top not-so-secret happy hour cocktails. My name is Whitney Eckes. I'm the owner and founder of Eckes Marketing and the Influence Movement, and we are about to get under the influence. Hey guys, welcome back to the Freedom Bay podcast. Today I'm here with Whitney Eckes. Welcome, Whit. I'm so excited to have you. Hi, I'm so happy to be on. Yay. Oh my God. Okay, so let's start with our What Would You Rather game. The first one is wine or champagne? Oh, um, okay. <laughs> it totally depends. I'm kind of like a champagne snob. So, I mean, it's got to be like really good. There's this one in this winery called Wilson Creek Winery that's out here in Temecula and they make a coconut champagne and mm. it literally tastes like coconut ice cream. Oh my God, um, it sounds delicious. It's absolutely insane. But every other day of the week, I'm totally a wine girl. Are you a red or a white girl? I'm red. Red, yeah, me too. But then in the summer, I like a bit of white because... Like, if it's hot outside, I want to drink something refreshing. A hundred percent. I was, like, talking with my girlfriend the other day, and I was, like, sometimes I feel like red wine's, like, a full meal. Yeah. Like, it's so heavy. And, yeah, I love a good glass of rosé. I love a good Sauvignon Blanc. You know, I just like wine. Love it. We need another wine night soon. We'll have to tell that story. <laughs> I <bit>. definitely. <laughs> um, aisle or window seat on the airplane? Ooh, I am a window seat kind of girl. Yeah. I feel like I need something to be constantly entertaining me, i.e. the window. Um, <laughs> I'm like also putting the wind or the, what's it called? Like the shade up and down constantly. <laughs> oh, literally. Like just, I need to be, I need to have, and like, I need my own like space. So like, I like taking mm. like the window seat because I'm in like hoping that like, the person in the middle is going to like move somewhere else. And then like I get extra room and the aisle person gets extra room and it's like a happy, you know, it's like a happy marriage. That's the best when you have like an empty row or just no one beside you. It's the, like, you just feel like you've won at life. There's no better feeling. Right. So So good. good. When I went to, I went to, um, I went on a bachelorette party earlier this month and we went to San Francisco and like Napa Valley. And when we flew from Toronto to San Francisco, like, the flight was not full at all. Like we all ended up getting our own row and like pretty much on the same or pretty much the same thing on the way back. And it was like a red eye home. So it was so nice to be able to like lay down. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That happened to me and my girlfriend on our way home from San Francisco. We were hungover and on Virgin Airlines, you can send people drinks. Oh, that's I think so a couple fun. Other, yeah. I think a couple other airlines do it, but we, I guess apparently were pissing off the flight attendants because we were each in our own row and we kept trying to send tequila shots and they like blocked our computers. Oh my God. <laughs> so, Did you get a couple in at least? I think we got like two. Okay. It was, it was nice. That's yeah. So it was fun. great. <laughs> Yoga or spin? Oh, spin all the way. Okay. I haven't done a spin class ever. So I'm like, I don't even know why I asked that question, but how, like, is it, do you find it's like really 
culty though. Like I've had some people say spin is like a cult. <laughs> um, it's I, okay. Here's the thing. There's like your soul cycle spin classes. There's like your spin classes that like make you compete against other people and like show your stats, which I'm like, yeah, that's motivating. But also like, I don't like to compete. Like I already don't like to work out. Yeah. So like, also like just know, and then you have like your good spin classes where it's like, they're very like empowering and they're like, let's start your Tuesday morning off. Right. Like you woke up at 6am to get your ass here. Let's like pat yourself on the back and sweat it out and have a great time. And those are the spin classes that you need to find. Okay. I'm on it. I need to try one. And then I can answer this question myself too. (laughs) (laughs) Saturday night in or out? Oh, out girl. Ooh, love a good sir night, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm starting to get to that phase where I don't go out as much. Yeah. But But then in the summer, like, well, I mean, is San Diego, is San Diego nice? Like all year round? It's like, I mean, except for this year, we've, it's been like very bipolar, Okay. but usually it's always sunny and 75. And like my favorite thing though, is like, yeah, like I like a good night out, but my favorite thing is a good like Sunday brunch that turns Mm. into a little day drinking. So like, like I'm a good, I love a good day drink on the weekends. Me too. It's so fun. Especially like when it's nice out and there's a pool or like you're at a lake or something like that. It's like, there's just no better feeling. Yeah, especially like if we if I could get a good Sunday day drinking on a Friday and then have Saturday to recover and then Sunday to like prep for the rest of my week, like yeah, I'm okay. I'm happy. I know. I love a good Thursday night too, if you don't have much going on Friday. Because mm-hmm. then it feels like you because you kind of get out of your system and you have like, I don't know, sometimes I like the weekends to myself because everyone else is doing stuff and I find it so less distracting to work. Yeah, no, I love a good weekend of being productive. My boyfriend and I recently stopped drinking during the week, which is like so crazy being in the marketing industry because it's like whining and dining and so yeah. many events and like whatever. And so it's been really nice because I, I just feel like, yeah, like I get it out of my system and then I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, now this is why I don't drink during the week. So like yeah. I love, I don't know. I love a good one day. Yeah, me too. And it's like so nice when you actually feel productive and you're like, and you like made the commitment to say no. And you're like, okay, this feels so good. I'm so glad I have that self-control. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, okay. This is a big one. I'm curious to see what you say. LA or New York? Oh, Okay. So I'm, I've been to New York three times and on my third time is when I fell in love with it. Was that the time you went with Jen? Yes. That was the time I went with Jen. Yes. We went to Revolve Fest up in Soho and, um, Jen is one of my favorite people to travel with because she's very much like me. She's very off the cuff. She's not really like a huge, like when we go somewhere, we need to plan step by step. Mm-hmm. So we vibe very well when we travel. Um, and the reason why we kind of vibe very well, again, is because of that. But also too, we're very spontaneous and we're very into seeing things that aren't typically like things like tourists would want to see. Like, mm-hmm. I think we saw like the Brooklyn Bridge and we went to like that one rooftop bar where you put on like a robe and look at the Empire State Building, but that was it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm going to have to go, listen, I love LA, but, but it's hard being in San Diego and having LA so close because LA is so fun. It's great to visit, 
but your drive home sucks. Like it is literally the worst drive home. It's a terrible trying to get there. It almost like to go to LA almost requires three days. Is there just a ton of traffic? It's so much traffic. And if you don't hit it right, you're all also hitting San Diego traffic. It's just a freaking nightmare. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go with New York. Um, the other thing too, is I love, 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 love people in New York's attitude. Like I'm just, everyone we met there, they connected us with everybody. Like we ended up meeting this door guy that like got us into catch and he calmed all of our drinks. Cause we met the manager of catch, like people oh God, in New York. So just, yeah. They're naturally like connectors. Yeah. And so they're always looking for ways to keep in touch with other people. Like they're very natural at networking. Whereas people in LA love them, think they're great, have tons and tons and tons of friends in LA, but they're not as like, um, they're not as like, not, I don't want to say friendly because they're friendly, but they're not as open to like contacting you and connecting with you. They're more like cliquey almost. I want yes. Say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I could see that. Okay. Well, next time you're going to New York, tell me, cause it's like a one hour flight for me. Yeah. Uh, duh. Of course. <laughs> Are you a beach or a pool girl? Ooh. Okay. Um, I'm a beach girl if it's in Cabo. <laughs> I love Cabo. I went for the first time in the winter, like in January and I like fell oh. in love. So isn't nice. it the best? Where did you stay in Cabo? Um, we ended up doing all inclusive. Um, and we were at like the new resort. What was it? Oh God. It was a Rio, but it's like the new one. Yeah. Okay. I've heard that's really fun. Yeah. It's nice. Like, honestly, like, I don't know. It's all inclusive is so hit or miss. Like I like it because you don't have like everything's included and like you can like drink as much and you can eat as much, but then at the same time, like the drinks and the food aren't as good as like if you were just staying on a regular resort, but it was so much fun. It was a good experience. That's amazing. Yeah. So my boyfriend actually lived in Cabo for six months. Oh, no way. Yeah. So last time we went, he took me to all like the like low key, like awesome spots. Um, But I love, I just love, I don't know. There's something about a beach that's not in San Diego that I'm, I love, um, as yeah. like bitchy as that sounds, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like a good pool too, but I'm, I'm, I'd have, probably have to say beach. Cabo beach. I love it. Yeah. Okay. This is the last one. Um, oat milk or almond milk? Ooh, oat milk. Oh yes. Okay. Me so too. good. So good. <laughs> like I'm, I get so mad when places don't have it. I, I don't know if like Starbucks in the U S has it or not, but we don't have it in Canada at Starbucks. Do you guys? I don't think, you know what? I have honestly, like we've, I yes. feel like I'm beginning to not just like go to Starbucks anymore. Yeah. Well, especially probably being in the city. Cause like I'm kind of more in like a suburb, but you probably have so many other options, um, that you don't need to go to Starbucks, but I'm like, how are these big places missing out on the, like the alternative milk situation? I mean, yeah. And I even think like there was like something that went out too about like a uh, Starbucks almond milk and how it's like just jack full of sugar. Yeah. It's disgusting. Like you're probably better off just drinking ordering regular milk. Yeah. 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 So I, I yeah, I, I, I love oat milk, but Starbucks, like, yeah, like let's get it together. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Lit, tell us, do you even have a job? What do you do? How are you able to live like this amazing lifestyle? Spill the tea for us. Oh, you're so cute. Um, I do have a job and I think my, I'm maybe a little too good at my job because I work so much and I, I may seem like I live this amazing lifestyle, but let me tell 
tell you what, I probably work on average eight hours a day, five days a week, sometimes weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do is I started a marketing agency that primarily focused in on social media management and influencer relations um, about two years ago. Um, I have come from a huge marketing background. I've been in marketing since I, for like six years. I was working in hospitality, worked for Red Bull, worked for, you know, whoever else I kind of got my, all my experience from and, um, decided kind of when I was in this freelancing state that, you know, I really wanted to do something clever and, you know, really make this my dream. And, you know, I had a dream of, an office in downtown that overlooked Petco Park. And I had a dream of, you know, working with some of, you know, San Diego's top businesses. And I kind of just put my nose to the grindstone and grinded until I got there. You know, like I actually got my office space way before I even got like a payroll system, you know, like way before I even got, yeah, like full-time employees. So I still remember I like hired on like a couple interns and we had to like sit on the floor when I first got my office. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have any office furniture. So I, but I was determined. I was like, this is my shit. Like I'm not letting it go. I'm not giving up. Like this is what I want to do. I love, you know, I love doing marketing. And then my kind of side hustle passion project is called the influence movement. And the influence movement, I think too, has like harnessed a lot of attention um, just because we do a lot of events. We talk with a lot of influencers. We have a podcast. Um, but the whole premise behind the influence movement is basically to talk about how influencers are a thing, number one. Number two, how to be socially responsible when you have an audience of, you know, a couple hundred thousand or a couple thousand. And number three, you know, like what does it mean now that we're moving into this digital space where we're connecting with people virtually we're selling products we're um now experiencing mental health effects from all this social media and you know just have a conversation around brands and influencers and what they're doing so that's my job that's what all the things that i do amazing so like <laughs> at what point like being as busy as you are were you at like when were you like okay i'm busy but i'm going to like take on more work and start the second company yeah um so I just, I love, I don't know. I think at one point when I started, I guess my, I kind of started the influence movement out of like a selfishness. Like I wanted influencers in our agency so that we could leverage them for our clients. Mm -hmm. And, um, what started as like, what was going to be a brunch turned into like 150 people like event, you know, that was stocked with goodie bags and, you know, our, had a bunch of different panels you know, speakers on it. Like we had Lauren Everett's The Skinny Confidential Speak. Mm-hmm. We had, um, I'm blanking, Geraldine Radura from Holy Matcha. And then we went ahead and did one in LA where we had like Amber Lee Lyons, the Shocker Girl. And we had Krista Williams from Almost 30. So, you know, we, anyway, that was something where like, it kind of fell into my lap and I was like, wait, this is really, really cool. And it comes very natural to us because, you know, we are a marketing agency. We're a very, very young agency. We're very modern in the way that we do our marketing. And we attract these influencers that want to have these conversations and, you know, that want to start their brands and, you know, just kind of 
want to work with us and maybe they work with us in a different way besides just social media management, you know? Yeah, totally. So how do you like typically work with your clients? Like walk us through what that looks like. Yeah. So we basically have, essentially we have like three different clients. My, my first clients that I started out with are like consulting basis clients. So I actually take on two consulting clients per year. And what, what I do is we do a full brand launch strategy. Now these consulting clients are basically like personal brands, right? They're Mm -hmm. bloggers, speakers, authors, whatever they are, they're a personal brand, they're marketing themselves. Um, and I, like I said, I only take like two to three a year and I help them basically start from ground zero, whether that's creating a website or doing a photo shoot get them all the press and opportunities and social media training and everything like that to really launch themselves. Like we just had a huge podcast launch party for one of my consulting clients. um, That's the grown up girl. That's the grown up girl. She was on my podcast. I love her. Yeah. She's amazing. That looks so cool by the way. Thanks. She, she did amazing. And like, so we just kind of support them and training them and helping them out. Um, and then we have like our mid-level clients and those are clients that are just needing some Instagram management, um, you know, full social media management, you know, content creation, Mm -hmm. analytics, things like that. And then we have our higher level client where we actually map out an entire marketing strategy for them with suggestions, with digital strategy, any type of marketing that they're going to need. So that looks like outdoor marketing, digital marketing, content, branding, the whole shebang. Amazing. And then do you work with influencers as well and like, um, like pair them with brands and like help them get brand opportunities? Yeah. So we actually, um, we work with like, we basically have like a roster, right? Like we have a couple girls that we work with and, um, we don't necessarily, it's, it's kind of like something we're building out. So I'm trying, I can't tell you it's too much. That's okay. <laughs> um, but we do work very, very closely with influencers. We have influencers constantly approaching us. We're constantly approaching them for different opportunities. And it's very much like we're always offering up different opportunities to them and vice versa. I love this. Okay. So at what point along your journey, like before you started your two companies, were you like, I need to work for myself and like just decided it wasn't an option to like be an employee or work for anyone else? Yeah. Um, so I was like the shittiest employee. <laughs> um, usually how it goes with us. Usually how it goes. I kind of have like an authority, like complex. Mm. Um, I hate when people tell me what to do, Same. but also, all of that hand in hand is that I think there was never like, just like a question in my mind of being like, like, I want to go work for somebody. Uh Like I, I like the way that I work. And like, sometimes, you know, like it is a little bit stressful, you know, having that on your shoulders and make, you know, like having anytime you have overhead office, payroll expenses, you know, making sure that your team's well-fed, making sure that your clients are happy. That's a lot of pressures on you. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think at the end of the day, when I started this, I just knew it was right because I knew there was, I needed to create, like I knew that I needed to start something that was my own and any other company that I really worked for. I don't think I really cared. Like I really didn't care about growing someone else's stuff. Like again, as selfish as that sounds like, but I didn't have the passion to look at somebody else's business and go, 
yeah, you know, I'm going to work my ass off to grow you. Like I'm, I want, I want to grow something that I'm creating and I want to put all my passion and drive into it and know that at the end of the day, I did that. Well, and I think too, it's just for one, it's like so much more rewarding when it's your own, like making like, I don't know, like $2,000 in your own business versus getting someone handing you a $2,000 paycheck. Like there's a huge difference in how that feels too. So it's like for everyone listening who doesn't feel passionate about like your work that you're doing or about the company that you're working for, like I feel that's usually a sign that entrepreneurship could be something to explore. Would you agree? I would completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because now that you say that, like I've had so many of those moments too. Like I literally remember sitting on a plane one day and like, I have so much respect for flight attendants because I honestly think that's a job that would drive me insane because I'm like, I, I honestly wouldn't care to tell you to put their fucking seatbelt on. Like, it sounds so horrible, but I'm like, <laughs> I just don't care about yeah. other work unless it's like something I'm, I'm doing for me. And like, I get what you're saying when you said like, that might sound selfish, but I actually don't think it is selfish. I think it's like almost one of the most selfless things you can do because you're making yourself happy at the end of the day. You're not settling and just doing something for the paycheck. 100%. And I think too, yeah, I mean, like going into too, like, look at like the work that you're doing, you know, are you satisfied with it? Are you happy with it? Or do you just not care? Yeah, exactly. So what advice would you give to someone who's like debating entrepreneurship, but maybe they're like scared to take the leap or they have all of these like fears and doubts that are coming up and they're like afraid that they won't make it or that they'll fail or that they'll never get clients. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, you know, the best, what do they say? The best weapon is being prepared. So I kind of tell everybody that because I'm, you know, like there's a sense of like faking it until you make it, but there's also a sense of like having your shit together and knowing what you want and how to get it. So I think if you're looking into entrepreneurship, get prepared, get a coach, get a mentor, you know, really verse yourself in your business plan or your mission statement or what things you're going after and prepare yourself to go out there and get it. You know, the biggest thing about launching is that you just need to start and you need to go for it, but also too, you know, make sure that you have the tools in your your tool belt so that you can, you know, adequately grow and scale your business. Um, And I I just, you know, I I think I love coaches. I love mentors. I'm working with a really awesome agency mentor right now since I've turned and really converted my business into an agency. And it's been the biggest help. And honestly, I don't, I think I would have been stuck in that lingering in my freelance or in my agency period had I not gotten a mentor to kind of walk me through, hey, you need to adjust your prices to reflect this. You need to make your retainer this, this, and this. You need to adjust your contracts to look like that. And that also too brought me into an entirely new realm of clientele. Mm -hmm. So, you know, same thing with starting out a business. You know, I like, again, there's really kind of prepare yourself, do your research, you know, make sure that, you know, when you go ahead and you go to launch, there are going to be struggles, but that you're prepared. You're able to pivot. You're able to be flexible. You know, you're able to work through these struggles because you know what you're doing and you, you're prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think as well, like having that coach or mentor or whatever, it's such a 
powerful way to work smarter versus harder. Like you don't have to figure it out all alone. And that's the beauty of having someone that's going to help you with it. And when you, I think what turns a lot of people off of that, um, is usually the investment, but at the same time, it's like, if you're running a business and starting a business, it's going to require you to invest in yourself. And if you're investing in a coach or a mentor, you're also going to see a return on that and be profitable way quicker than just trying to figure it all out alone. 100%. I think you couldn't have said it any better. Yeah. So did you hire a coach right away or like at what point were you like, I need like someone to help me? Um, so I actually hired a coach when she, I hired like a business branding coach right way back when I first started. Um, and it was Jennifer Jaden and she helped me to really assess what my company, like the messaging of Eckes marketing, the way it was going to look, how I was going to put myself in front of people. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, I, it was one of the best investments I've ever made. And, you know, having somebody too to kind of walk you through that and help you and also keep you accountable really helps you to grow. Um, the other thing is too, is that coaches have tons of networking and connecting options. Mm-hmm. You know, I think working with some, again, every coach or mentor that I've worked with, they've connected me with A, either potential client or B, somebody that has been a true asset to my company, whether it's SEO, whether it's a photographer, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, and so there's so many things like actual, like deliverables that come with coaching too, that I think people don't realize. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Okay. I want to switch gears here for a second and talk about your feature in Forbes. Like congrats. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank um, you. And for everyone listening, Whitney and her company were featured as one of the seven most Instagrammable corporate offices. So walk us through what that looked like. Like has Forbes been something that's always been on like your vision board or like a dream for you? And like, how did this all come to life? And what was that experience like? Yeah. So hundred percent always on the vision board. Like I have my little like goals and things that I want sitting right next to me in my office. And like the next one's like Forbes 30 under 30. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Also, can we tell everyone how old you are? Cause like it blows my <laughs> mind how young you are. <laughs> Yeah, I don't usually, I try my best not to let people know my age. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, no, but I am 25. It's not a big deal. That's wild. It's wild. (laughs) And you've been doing this for a while too. I've been doing this since literally college. Um, And I think too, like I, yeah, I just kind of went out there swinging again. The reason why I don't necessarily like broadcast my age is because I want to be taken very seriously. I mean, I'm already blonde. I'm already like talk (laughs) like a Valley girl. So one of the things that I really try to keep, you know, professional is my age. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like if you go and look at my Instagram, you're like, okay, she's literally 25. No, definitely not. I honestly (laughs) was shocked when I found out. I was like, what? Like, I was just so impressed by like how well you're doing and how much you've accomplished, like, and you're only 25. You're so sweet. Well, thank you so much. I mean, it's good. I mean, yeah, the Forbes thing honestly was something where I, you know, I I just saw people getting into it. And, you know, one of the things too about running an agency and working with the team is really instilling in your team that there is, there's a purpose to this company. There's a dream. 
you know, like you need to be drinking. I tell everybody this, like you need to be drinking the Agus marketing Kool-Aid. You need to bleed marble. Like I need you like to be on our team Mm -hmm. and getting things like the Forbes article, you know, getting things like speaking opportunities or features, you know, they don't do that amazing when it comes to bringing in potential clients, but they build not and you know, and they do a lot for reputation. But they also too like encourage our team that like what we're doing here is fucking important. Like having an Instagrammable office, having something where like you wake up and my girls are excited to come work in the office means everything. And I think too, it sets a certain tone. And before, you know, like I have really been learning like how to be a leader. I've really been learning like how to lead a team and how to develop a team. And one of the things I realized is that, you know, if my girls feel like what they're doing is important, the quality of their work and their actual like feeling and happiness of working, you know, in our office goes up. So the quality of our overall company goes up. And what have you done? Sorry to interrupt you. What have you done to like create that within your team and have like everyone so on board and so excited to come to work? Um, well, let's see, (laughs) you know, I like, we have a giant pink neon sign. So, um, we, you know, we really try to keep a healthy, fun, energetic atmosphere, whether that's like, we have like a pink cowbell that we ring. That's like super obnoxious when we sign a new client. Um, I love that. Yeah. I'm just going to get one for like my own desk at home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we try to give them as many opportunities to go to different events as possible. I think allowing girl, you know, we're in a stage two where millennials now have like three different side hustles. Mm -hmm. So giving our girls an opportunity to see value within the company, you know, is also something that's really important, you know, valuing their work, giving them the opportunity to work with awesome clients, giving them you know, that satisfaction of showing them that, Hey, look, what you're doing is important. It's so important. It's growing a company, you know, not only I guess marketing, but your clients. And then, you know, again, giving them opportunities, making sure we're having fun at work, making sure that let them know constantly that, you know, Echo's marketing is growing. What we're doing is important. You're being seen. Your company just was mentioned in Forbes. Like mm-hmm. this is an important place to be in your mm-hmm. value. And are you finding that that's like, maintaining good retention with your team? Yeah, I totally. I mean, we, we have a lot of people. One of the things that we also do is, um, we kind of test them when like anyone that wants to come work for us again, we're start, we're not a startup, but we're beginning, we're in our baby phases of being an agency. And so anybody that wants to come work for us, um, especially in the social media industry, I ask them to work for me for free or on an internship for 90 days. And the reason why I do that is because it kind of tests them with fire. They either get it, they love it, they're into it, they'll do it because they want so badly to be a part of what we're doing here, or they, they peace out. And if they peace out, that's totally fine. There's nothing against them. This just wasn't the job for them. But my girls have to have grit. My girls have to, again, be drinking that Kool-Aid and be constantly team Echo's marketing and wanting to grow the company as much as I want to. And number three, they have to know their shit. A lot of times too, a lot of girls come in here that are, you know, did, you know, certain, they ran their a business's social media account or they ran their Instagram or they have a blog. And those girls also don't typically last because number one, they're not social media strategists or they don't have the business professionalism or experience that the other girls have. And number two, they don't want it as bad. Mm. So 
it's, you know, it's a whole thing where I've seen the retention because I kind of make them work for it. And those that do work for it get honored. You know, they get, they get paid, they get positions, they actually get, you know, stakes in the company as we continue to grow. So there's a lot of benefit, but it doesn't come easy. And that's also what I want to see. You know, social media is not an easy industry and neither is marketing. And I want my girls tough as hell and ready to rock and just the best of the best. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I love that you do the intern thing. And I, that's actually such a fresh perspective to look at internship and especially when you're running your own business, because, um, I think a lot of people can look at like unpaid work or internship as a negative thing, but it's like, if you really want it and it's, you're going to stick it out and it's going to work for you. Like the benefits once you're in a paid position are probably so much bigger than you just like starting to get paid from the beginning because it's proving to you as the business owner that this person is serious. They have the grit, like you mentioned, and like they really truly want to be there. 100%. And I think, yeah, you know, that took me a really long time to do that. I used to way, way, way overpay people. And, you know, I was burned. I've had people like steal like rosters from us, steal contacts from us, steal clients from us. And now it's kind of like, listen, you know, this is the way I'm going to run my business. This is what's working. And also too, like I, I cut through the fat, you know, I'm able to see the valuable ones. I'm able to see the ones where I want to give them, I want to give them stuff. You know, I want to make their lives beneficial. I want to better them because they're bettering us and they're working their asses off. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. Let's talk about like the influencer world a little bit. What do you think most people are doing wrong when they're like trying to get brand deals or like trying to show up as like this big influencer? What are they doing wrong? Um, or like, what are they missing? Yeah. You know, here's the thing. There's, there's like so many things where it's like, Oh, like what's, you know, like what's the five mistakes influencers are making and things like that. And recently, you know, we just kind of spoke with a bunch of them because we are starting to build out something in-house that is, you know, that honors influencers, that benefits them. Um, and one of the things that I kind of realized is that influencers tend to not set up their, their brand like a business. Hmm. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things you can do is set goals and KPIs and like benchmarks for your business, right? Mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, your income or your revenue or how much you're profiting. Um, and then also to like really coming up with a strategy for, you know, like on a quarterly system, Hey, first quarter, I'm going to go into this. I'm going to do five brand deals at 5k a month. Um, you know, and then I want to go ahead and turn around after those brand deals and make sure that, you know, they're at a 25% success rate. I'm going to go back to them. I'm going to offer them a longer term contract with exclusivity. And I'm going to lock them in for a three month commitment with me, you know, and that's going to last through the remainder of second quarter. So I think that there's like ways for influencers to really set up themselves like a business where it's not just like they're hustling from brand deal to brand deal or opportunity to opportunity, because at the end of the day, like that sucks. And also too, why wouldn't you want, you know, three amazing brands that are paying you a substantial amount that you have kick-ass partnerships with, you love to work with, you love their products, and you know, you're not straining yourself and doing 100 brand deals and losing your authenticity because you can't get your bills paid. 
Yeah, totally. So it's like being more strategic about it almost. 100%. So for like influencers right now that are maybe getting like free products and stuff, but they're not getting paid yet, what do you recommend that they start doing or like how do they need to step it up in order to start getting those paid collaborations? Number one, if you're going to be doing this full time, you need to get at a point where you have enough budget to go ahead and be able to start saying no to free shit. Mm. There's so many free things. And one of the biggest thing that it, that we are getting, you know, as a marketing agency that I'm having a tough time with brands is you have things like four card, Coley, a heartbeat, these agencies that basically, you know, brand, big brands come to, they pay them like 15,000 and then they blanket a market full of, you know, influencers that will accept free product. And they're kind of number one, they're ruining the price structure for influencers. And number two, they're blanketing them. They're this influencer market and none of their campaigns are like showing a hot or ROI. It's just straight up brand awareness. So anyway, I would say this number one, make sure that you have a set price. Um, I think the best way to establish that price is not only from your following and your engagement, but how many hours it takes you to create a campaign, how much it costs travel, photography, what, you know, any other type of, um, expenses that you're incurring. And then also too, what you think it's worth and valued at. So I, I mean, like I just did a whole study on like influencers for this event that we had. And one of the things I saw was that they were like, oh, like you should be charging a hundred dollars for every, you know, a hundred thousand followers you have. And it's like, what? No, that's not like, that's not even a good structure. Yeah. So I think you need to like, really, I think I, first off, I hate when influencers do anything for free, like stop mm. doing things for free. So like when brands are coming to you and like offering you that free product then, so basically you're saying turn around and like ask for it to be paid instead. I would just say, Hey, look, I would love to rep you guys. You know, here's the last, you know, here's what I've done in the past. This is typically Mm -hmm. what I charge. Um, I'm open to discussing your budget, but typically I don't do anything less than this price. And if they say, okay, goodbye, say, okay, great. You know, knowing something better is going to come along. 100%. But also too, like when you open that door to discounting yourself and doing things for free, you're also like kind of in the subconsciously like setting your own value. And that's a really, really, really hard thing to break out of. And you're not doing your best work either. No. Because it's like, if you're, and like, I've like obviously been there where I've had brands send me stuff for free, but it's like, I'm not going to hire a photographer if I'm not getting paid for it. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm going to like take a photo on my iPhone or get like a friend or family member to do that. Whereas if you are getting paid, you're going to put more effort into it. And they're like, they're also going to get a bigger ROI. 100%. And I mean, like, for example, like look at, look at Tessa's photos versus my Instagram photos, right? Like their quality, their difference, the fact that, you know, Tessa goes out into the middle of New York and poses like a freaking model you know, and that she maybe has booked herself a plane ticket to wherever to do this campaign. Right. Like those are all, those are all things that go into a marketing budget. And I think the other thing too, is influencers don't realize like these brands have marketing budgets, but we've all kind of let it go and started doing things for free and started cheapening our work as an influencer, quote unquote, 
And now brands are, you know, they're getting away with it. They're getting away with just blanketing the market with free product and it sucks. I love that you're saying this because I honestly feel I've, everyone else is like, just do it for free at the beginning. And then like, eventually that'll turn into paid. So like, this is such a refreshing perspective on it. No, I mean, if you have, here's, I mean, you also, here's the other thing. You also need to be able to move the needle. Like if you're sitting at 25K and you have a discount code and a swipe up and you get two, three people, like get your shit together. Like don't, don't be asking for crazy paid campaigns if you're not going to be able to move the needle. Mm-hmm. Like know yourself, know your following, know your demographic. But, and I understand that mistakes happen and things flop. But, you know, like be able to show up and like, be like, look, this is how many my last campaign got. This is how many, you know, I'm planning and projecting on getting because I know my audience and I know they would be interested in this product and like sell it to them. Yeah, totally. So what are the other things that you recommend doing for, um, more of like the micro influencer who's like starting out wants to start working with bigger brands, um, other than starting to charge for it? Yeah, I would say, okay, first off, I think as a micro influencer, like, you know, like, for example, like if I'm looking at my consulting clients, um, I would really start to establish like your niche, right? And everyone talks about that. But for example, like I was like kind of laughing at myself because I took two brand deals. One of them did really great. And the other one like did not do well. And it's funny because, you know, I'm, I mainly talk to women that are either in the entrepreneurial state of their life or they're just starting out. They want more information, whatever it is. And one of the things that I noticed is that, you know, we, we really like, we have to be mindful when we do these campaigns of like who we're talking to. Hmm. So if you're starting out, you're a micro influencer, get very clear on who your target audience is or who you want them to be, right? Um, get very clear on, you know, what things are working and what things aren't working with your audience. Um, you know, if you're going after brand deals, you know, pitch them something exciting. You're, sometimes micro influencers have the best ROI. There's a girl that literally just hit 10K here in San Diego. She's used by pretty much every single PR agency. Her name is Coco San Diego. And she's one of, she's, we call her like the anomaly. You know, you put Coco in an event and you're going to get probably 50 people to show up. Like, and she's, yeah, and she's micro, but she talks to the San Diego demographic and resonates with everyone in San Diego so well. And that's like a perfect example. Now, the other thing is too, is don't just go to a big brand and say, Hey, I want to do a sponsored post with you, Mm -hmm. you know, pitch them on something exciting, you know, Hey, I want to collaborate with this giveaway. And I want to bring in two other awesome influencers to come do a photo shoot at your pool. And, you know, we're also going to partner with Kopari and, you know, we're going to put together this kick-ass giveaway. It's going to be for two girlfriends to go visit your pool for the day. And, you know, what do you think about it? We're micro, but here's my demographics. I'm really big in the city, da, 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 da. You know, like give them something to like bite on and mm-hmm. chew and give them something that's really refreshing. Because the other thing too, is you got to remember there's marketing directors for all these brands. There's marketing coordinators for all these brands. There's agencies, there's influencer relation managers. They're all looking for opportunities to work with micro, macro, any type of influencer. So if you make their job easy on them and you give them a hand, you know, a silver platter campaign, 
they're going to take it. Totally. And this all goes back to what you were saying about like treating your influencer role like a business versus just like this thing on the side that's a hobby and you get like free stuff for or like a paycheck here and there for. A hundred percent. I love this. Thank you so much for those tips. Those are amazing. Yeah, of course. Okay, so let's get into our freedom, fail, and win segment where we're going to share something that maybe didn't go so well this week and then something that did go well and that we're celebrating. So I can go first to give you a second to think about yours. Um, My freedom, fail of the week, I'm honestly such a summer girl. And like now, I mean, I live in Toronto, so our summer is like June to September kind of thing. And now that summer is here, I feel like I'm taking full advantage of it, which is nice, but I'm like outside, I'm doing more social stuff. I'm like, I don't know, shopping more, like doing all these distracting things. And it just, it's it's like less work is getting done basically. (laughs) So it's like, oh my God, like as soon as the nice weather hits, like I honestly, maybe this is because I'm Gemini too. Like I turn into a different person and I'm like, what business, what work? (laughs) Not actually, but like, it's so much easier for me to get distracted in the summer than it is in the winter. I mean, it is why I started my business in the first place. So I feel like that's also a win, but at the same time, I'm like, Kelly, sit down and like, just do something for a couple hours. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) My freedom when, um, Okay. I used to feel super guilty about this, but I've like changed my perspective around it. So I've been sleeping in and it just feels good. And I'm letting myself do it. Like I've, I've been getting up at 10 AM every day, which sounds ridiculous, but again, I'm like not really a morning person and I'm just letting myself own that versus be hard on myself for it. And I honestly feel so much better throughout the day than when I like get up at 6am and need a nap halfway through. And I feel like I'm also more productive. So maybe that's like the bonus of not being as productive since it's summer. I'm like actually Um, more productive because I'm letting myself sleep. I'm kind of the same way. Are you? Yeah. I'm like, you know, I, I wish I could be like that person that's like, I'm up at 5 a.m. I'm, I'm reading Wall Street Journal and Whoa. doing my morning pages. And then I go run 17 trillion miles. And then Do I come back. more of your inspiration at night? You know, I have this really awful thing where my brain doesn't shut off at night. Like I'm a huge dreamer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually my boyfriend was so cute. He was like, he's like, I'm literally going to get you like a journal. He's like, because you wake up all the time in the middle of the night and you have these insane ideas and then you like, can't go back to sleep. Like my, I usually don't ever sleep. Um, but yeah, I love waking up in the morning, but I, I, I am the same way. Like I don't usually roll into the office until around 10. Okay. Um, Good. And I'm not, (laughs) yeah. And I think I work out probably, I mean, right now I'm doing awful, but I usually work out only like two times a week. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I love to practice too, is like things like I try to do like a monthly, like, um, some type of monthly like session, like cupping therapy, Mm -hmm. Reiki, uh, something like more spiritual or like for your soul. Kind of totally because yeah. I think if you try to like high stress, high hustle all the time, if like also too like remember that when you run a business, your cortisol levels are super stupid mm-hmm. high all the time, and if you're not sleeping, 
you're not taking care of yourself, you're burning yourself thin because you're trying to exercise and do all this crazy shit that everyone says that you're supposed to be doing, Mm -hmm. you're going to burn out and you're also going to get super sick. Totally agree. I'm like not about that life at all. <laughs> like to me, that's not worth it. I would like rather not have a business if I'm, that's what I'm going to be going through. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's serious stuff. It's crazy. So how do you, so other than, um, the like monthly like cupping or Reiki or whatever, is there like anything you do on a daily basis to like keep yourself more Zen? Yeah. So I have, Basically, I love to do like I'm a huge like I'm a huge prayer. Uh, so mornings I'll pray, I'll read a little devotion. Um, I am also starting to study sto- stoicism, oh. and I love doing that because I love philosophy. Yeah. And then I have a journal. I don't force myself to journal, but I do have a manifest list that I look at and kind of just think over and review every single day. Love um, that. Yeah, it's like my top 10 manifest. And then I also like to set like themes for each month. So like today, like I was like writing out, you know, I'm going on this huge vacation. I've like blown all this money because it's June and, you know, we're about to step into, you know, quarter four. And um, I kind of was like, hey, look, you know, like I think July needs to be the month of like getting very happy with like my bank account and like re kind of starting my relationship with my money and with my mm. budget and doing some cool things there. Like, you know, doing some cool, you know, financing projects. And like, for example, like I have an Excel sheet that maps out my income scaling from this year until I'm 30. And Ooh, juicy. Yeah. So that's something that I also look at and I try to get as detailed with it as I can And I mean, my end goal is that I want to be making a million a year by the time I'm like 45, 50. So if I'm constantly, you know, preparing myself, if I'm constantly looking at my numbers and getting very happy with them, like it makes me happy. It sounds stressful, but it actually makes, puts me at ease because that's something I'm able to control. And that's something I'm able to, to look at every single day and manifest and start to like really have a relationship with as weird as that sounds. I love that. You're inspiring me. I'm going to like create my own manifest list. (laughs) I will send you like a little like format. It's great. Okay. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Okay. So what were your freedom fail and win of the week? Okay. Um, So my freedom fail. Um... (laughs) So many things are like, I could, I could just tell you. Well, that's the reality Um, of having a business. (laughs) Dude, it's totally is. Um, I would have to say my freedom fail right now is that I have been putting out a lot of, um, proposals to potential clients and I've been getting like very emotional over nothing, like Mm. very like worrisome, very like, you can ask my best friend, Molly, who's also our CFO, like just very like worrying. Like she literally comes in the office and she's like, what? She's like, you're seriously sitting here worrying about something that hasn't happened yet. And she's like, and it's only, you know, like giving you wrinkles, like Mm. stop. Like you have no control over this. You have to sit back and literally let 
whatever's going to happen, happen. And so that's something that it's, it's a very big, like mind thing. Like I even woke up this morning with anxiety, like, how am I going to leave my company for eight days and go on a vacation? You know, I have all these things in the hopper, you know, I'm working so hard. I don't want to lose that momentum. I don't want to mess up, you know, and that's like such a fail because, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm, you know, I built this company. There's so many fish in the sea. It's literally the quote unquote, what Spencer texts me. And, you know, like there's like, you, I just can't worry. Like there's yeah. no need to worry about anything and literally letting that affect my life, letting that affect my day and my team and things like that. Like that's a failure. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like just, you know, like that's something where I'm even working through where it's like, I actually wrote that down in my journal yesterday. It was like, I want to learn how to not worry. Mm-hmm. I think that like, I mean, I think that's where like the more feminine stuff comes in. And like, I know you were talking about like the self-care and stuff like that. So it's like, the more you make the time for that and like, are focusing on like the trust and like what is going well and like just changing your perspective. I feel like that's when the fear takes the backseat. And that's also when like the new clients or whatever ends up showing up. It's like nothing ever happens when we're sitting at our computers worried or like refreshing our inbox. You know what I mean? But the second that we have a little bit of trust and we're like doing things for ourselves and we're shifting our mindset, then all of those good things that we want start to come in. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I think so too. Like, you know, like it feels like there's days where you're just like on this insane high and like, you'll start crying and mm-hmm. like, you know, Oh my God, I'm so happy. I started this. I'm so happy. I did this business. Yeah. And then all of a sudden two things go wrong and you're like, what the fuck? It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. And you know, I think too, I mean, I'm, I have two, I mean, I have my boyfriend, I have my dad, I have Molly, I have a mentor and like, they're hilarious. Cause they're like, get your head out of your ass. This is business. Like, this mm-hmm. is it. This is what you signed up for. Like, yes, you're allowed to be emotional. Yes. You're allowed to be bummed out, but you're not allowed to let it own you or dominate mm-hmm. you. Like you are better than that. You are more clever than that. And there's way more potential money on the table that you're just not saying. So true. So true. It's like, there's like a bigger picture than what you're focusing on. Oh yeah, totally. I love that. So what's your freedom win? My freedom win. Um, we actually, so it kind of goes hand in hand with this potential Mm -hmm. client thing. Um, we submitted one of our biggest proposals that we've ever sent out of the company, um, last week. And it's been something where it just kind of felt like we blew the roof off of the agency. Like it felt like we stepped up into a higher level. And it honestly felt like the client hasn't even signed yet. Like we don't even know if this client's going to sign. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if they're going to tell us to go kick rocks. Like they could totally be like, no. Mm -hmm. But that moment of having the ability to finally reach a price point and reach a package that you have been dreaming of and be talking to clients that you only thought you were going to be dreaming of, you know, pitching to sets a whole new tone for everything. You know, it's like, it's just, you just like level up. So that was a huge deal. And I mean, like I came in my client relation, we ended the call we ended our pitch call 
and yeah. control start crying. My best friend was like, dude, fuck yes. Like we are here. Like we have, we have officially arrived. So that was our freedom when, you know, regardless of whether or not anything happens with this client, getting to that point has taken two years and we're happy to be here and we are just ready to set a whole new tone. Oh my God. Congrats. That's so big. And it's like, now that you're doing that, there's obviously going to be more of those proposals I'm sure that you're doing. So it's like, if not this client, then it's going to be someone like bigger and better. 100%. And I think like, yeah, that was just something we were like, this is it. Like, here we go. Yay. So excited for you. Thank you so much. We're so excited too. Okay. So what, tell us where we can find more of you pimp yourself out with like your podcast, your social media, everything. Oh yeah. So I'm going to pimp out the podcast first because Kelly, you know, me and you have talked and we're going to be actually sharing this episode on my podcast, which I'm super stoked about. Um, so it's called under the influence podcast. Um, so sad, but when we created the name, there's actually like two other podcasts on there. So mine is the one that's obviously that you could have like, that that could be a thing. Yeah. It's super weird. Like everyone write iTunes and tell them it sucks. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but anyway, so yeah, it's called under the influence podcast and, um, our Instagram handle is the influence movement and the website is the influence movement.com. Um, my personal Instagram is at Wittstagram. I, I, I thought I was very clever in high school. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, our agency is ecosmarketing.com and at ecosmarketing and ecos is pronounced like a wet kiss and it is spelled E-C-K-I-S. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was such a good episode. You shared so many good tips with us and I know everyone's going to find so much value in it. 